You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome back to The Strong Room. Estate and trust planning specialist Sherry McMillan begins this segment by talking about the importance of protecting family bloodlines when it comes to estate planning. Many of us live um, a long life expectancy and we often remarry or become involved in a second relationship, even if it is common law. And so there's a lot of um, need really in modern society to give this area a lot of contemplation. The interesting part to me is over the last couple of decades in working with families is they have a really strong desire to protect the wealth they've created for their spouse um, and for their children. And they want to make sure that it stays with the rightful family members. Now, unfortunately, what most people have done in their estate design is they have crafted a will, which is a death plan uh, from one moment in time, and it distributes your estate to who you choose. The challenge is it doesn't govern anything, and it doesn't protect any of us from a bloodline situation. So how this comes about, of course, is let's say we have a married couple for 50 years, and one of the spouses passes, the second spouse remarries, that new spouse is now entitled to the estate of that family unit. And so the originating family gets excluded, not deliberately so, but just by due to life circumstances. And then the second way we commonly see this happen is not just in our elder years, but when our children inherit, if they experience a divorce, they lose their inheritance to that divorce situation. And so in turn, your grandchildren don't take the rightful share to the estate as well. So this is a real concern uh, of most of us. And the new statistics are showing, one of our clients more recently pointed this out to us, and I, I'm a little out of date. I've been saying that the divorce rates are around 50% for years and years. Well, actually, the divorce rates have increased substantially. And in our younger population, it's 64%. Oh. And it's a really sad uh, numeric, but it's realistic to plan around it then because we do need to plan around it. So the way in which we can plan is to protect your family through living planning and trust planning. It's not about a will. And a will does not do that kind of work for us. So alternatively, what we recommend to families is let's line up who the bloodline is. And in, in our estate planning, we actually build a family tree. Um, and we decide, okay, who should partake in this estate and at what sequential order. So obviously, mom and dad are first in line. So we protect their estate for their elder years. And if they did lose a spouse early... We put in a place a particular kind of trust called spousal trust. It protects the spouse then from new marriages. So even if they do enter a new marriage or a common law situation, then we're not at risk of losing that value for the elder's retirement, nor are we at risk to lose it to the bloodline children that it's supposed to go to. And when it comes to protecting family bloodlines, trust can be updated. And so the really unique privilege of this is you can even lend your estate to your new spouse. So let's say you were married for 50 years and then you want your originating estate to go to your children, of course, but you have found this wonderful new person to be with the last five years of life. Well, that's fine. You can live with them. And the way your trust could work is it can say they can live in your house until they pass. They can use your RSPs. They can use the interest that you make or the dividends that you make on your portfolios. But when the second spouse, the new spouse passes, then 
automatically the next tier of beneficiaries are the originating bloodline of the family that had been married for 50 years. And so this is how the castles, I mean, this is an extreme example, but the castles in England have been passing generation to generation through the royal family. I mean, they've been married and divorced a few times, um, but they don't ever lose that family wealth. They continually transfer it from one generation to the next. So we generally recommend to our families when they're contemplating bloodline protection that we build in at least three tiers. So the first tier is us, the married couple. Let's protect your retirement. The second tier is your children. And the third tier is your grandchildren. And if you're very lucky, maybe we'll build a fourth tier for the great-grandchildren too. You're listening to the September 17th edition of The Strong Room. A key topic at the upcoming Macmillan Estate Planning Seminar, Thursday, September 29th, will focus on how to protect your retirement income. Sherry McMillan explores this topic in conversation with Peter Watts of News Talk 770. Well, one of the interesting facets about retiring, Peter, is that as we move into retirement, instead of us working for money, money has to work for us. And it changes things quite substantially. And there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that. And rightfully so. I mean, we've had really wild economic times more recently and even over the last decade we've experienced wild times and so families have the desire to feel safe and secure during these retirement decades ahead and so they should because currently in Canada alone there's 5,800 people or 100 and they're forecasting by 2030 there'll be 17,000 people who are 100 years old. So the way in which we approach our phases of life is that we've got to protect the wealth that you have created. And many of us create it a number of ways. Some of us create it through RSPs and pensions. Some of us create it through real estate portfolios. Others create it through just traditional stock, mutual funds, GICs, all kinds of investments that we will all hold. The challenge is they're not protected if we don't protect them. And so one of the things that we can do with estate planning, which is a very beautiful technique, is that we can wrap around those assets and privatize them. And if they are money investments, and I call it GICs and bonds and mutual funds or our RSP portfolios, we can negotiate a principal guarantee of value with the big institutions. Now, we can't do that in trust law. Or in bank law, pardon me. In bank law, when we are an investor, we take all the responsibility of all the market changes on our shoulders. And we all have experienced that. I would say 99% of us do it that particular way. But the wealthy don't. And so this is a little secret, an inside secret of working with the wealthy is they command and demand assurances so that their wealth will not be jeopardized by the downturns that occur in their estates. And this is a really important facet because this is a pool of wealth that they're going to now use to live on for their lifestyle. And one of the great parts about this, and we've already spoken to this in our last segment, is we can do a technique called an estate freeze as a portfolio continues to grow through our lifespan, which it will, we're going to have both good and bad. But when we're having the good, we can freeze those values as the new value in the estate for our family or wife or children. And so what that in effect does is it solidifies the growth in the good times for our future, for our retirement. And it also solidifies it for our family. And so I can speak to the few downturns. I don't want to say after the last couple of decades how many I've been through. But when I see 
you know, the economic downturns occur, what I really experience within our own clients that have crafted estate plans and trusts is no fear. They feel calm, they feel safe, and they know their wealth is protected and preserved. So I think this is the opportunity that all of us have to give consideration to for the pool that we're going to use for retirement. So I'm not saying you can't have some wild things like penny stocks and so forth. Of course, we all like to think we're going to make millions on that. Um, But the core base of our wealth needs to be in a preserved value so that we know we can rely upon it if we do make it to 100 years of age. This is the first time that more people in North America are going to be over 65 than under. So it's a phenomenon, really, Peter. And I don't think we all truly understand how this will impact all of us. But they do say that there are three phases of retirement and you want to design your estate design in this manner. The first phase is what we call an early retirement. It's your active retirement. It's when you're going to spend most of your money. Um, You travel, you take on new activities, you find new hobbies, and then you don't like them and you sell what you bought and you try again. I mean, this is the reality of trying to grow up in retirement. Then the second phase of retirement is more family orientated generally because by then the grandchildren maybe have arrived. Um, family is staying a wee bit more local. Perhaps they buy the cottage at that time, Phoenix or what have you. And we see them now spending time in more centered locations. Um, and that's the second phase of our retirement. We still spend though, because we've noticed in our own office that grandparents spend a lot of value mm-hmm. on their grandbabies. So they think, oh, I'll be done with needing you know, a large pool because my children have finally left. And I always warn them, well, <laughs> maybe that's true. But once you have grandchildren, it starts all over again. And sometimes even a little bit more elaborate because you're always in love with the grandchildren. Uh, how many times have we seen the t-shirt if I'd known grandchildren were this much fun, I'd have had them first. That's right. So um, that is truly my experience. So that's our second phase. And our very last phase of life is a quieter phase. One thing I do like to share with people so they're not fearful of it is 97% um, of us, or pardon me, 93% of us will be able to remain in our own home right until the end of life. Yeah, that's that's outstanding. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. So one of the cautions I share with families in this plan uh, in the latter later. Uh, life is don't be too anxious to quickly move to a senior's lodge or a villa immediately because the likelihood is that you might not need to and if your home has great meaning to you in your life you may want to choose to stay in your own home and so I don't actually encourage downgrading in retirement I encourage upgrading because it's a pool of assets because your primary home grows tax-free So it's a large pool of asset base that can grow with you through those decades ahead. And when you really do need elder care, if you're one of those particular people, then we have this large tax-free pool to spend to care for ourselves. How to proactively protect your retirement income and steps you need to take now to pay less tax will be featured topics at the Macmillan Estate Planning Life and Legacy Seminar coming up Thursday, September 29th. Strict new tax rules are coming into effect in January of 2017, so the time to act is now. Register online at macmillanestate.com or you can call during office hours Monday through Friday, 403 266-6464. This is The Strong Room.